That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. Well, that's what she said. Welcome to That's What She Said, conversations with interesting people from the world of sports, music, comedy, and more, talking about their lives, careers, successes, and failures. My name is Becky Lynch, and I do not sleep. Okay, hold on. So you don't sleep? Sleep is very important, especially if you're in the ring, you know, doing your four-leaf clovers and Bexploder suplexes and manhandle slams and hammerlock inverted DDTs. How'd I do there? Great. Okay, we got to remedy this because for sure you need to sleep. And I like a natural route, so no Ambien or anything like that over here. I start with melatonin. One five milligram pill usually does it for me. Makes me nice and groggy, but you might need a couple more than that. Second, consider potentially a nighttime meditation. Most people who can't sleep usually say it's because, you know, their mind is racing. They're thinking about their problems from the day, personal life, planning for the next day, all that stuff. And the only way to really shut that down is to get your brain to be still. There's a bunch of good meditation apps for that that you can set up to use while you're falling asleep. I do a sort of alternate meditation where I pick a really happy moment from my life and I think about it in really specific detail, trying to remember everything about it. It usually works for me because I get sleepy, sort of remembering, and then I kind of want those memories to maybe show up in my dreams so I have happy dreams. Unfortunately, it doesn't usually happen. I usually uh, dream of, like, murders and stuff that were from the TV show I was just watching and random former teachers from high school show up, but worth a shot, right? Uh, I would start with those. You gotta sleep, girl, for those Bexplexes and stuff. Okay, good luck. The commish has spoken. My guest today is Rebecca Quinn, a.k.a. Becky Lynch, a.k.a. The Man, WWE Raw wrestler, four-time women's champion in WWE, and the current Raw women's champion. Heard her talk at the ESPNW Summit and just fell in love. So charming. So interesting. She talked about how wrestling sort of helped her get out of a bad crowd and stop her lifetime of being sedentary and just sort of existing. Gave her something to be passionate about growing up in Ireland. Uh, how she suffered a head injury in 2006, had to take a six-year hiatus from wrestling and really wasn't sure what to do with herself, faked her way into a TV stunt woman gig, all sorts of conversations about, you know, some of the moments throughout her wrestling career, the twists and turns, the time she and Charlotte Flair nearly died, and also talked a little bit about her relationship with fiancé Seth Rollins. This is a really good one, so uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. That's what she said. So I learned a lot about you at the ESPNW Summit. You absolutely stole the panel. But for those who weren't there and maybe those who don't know as much, let's talk about Becky Lynch as Rebecca Quinn. Born in Limerick, growing up in uh, in Dublin. What kind of kid were you? Um, I, was a, I was a little weird kid. <laughs> I think it's the best way to put it. I was alternative, right? Like, never wanted to be mainstream, like, hated anything that was, was mainstream, right? Like, um always just wanted to go against the grain, like always rebellious, maybe sometimes just for the sake of being rebellious. Um, I was uh, I was outgoing with my friends, really shy around adults. Um, I wasn't athletic, but I loved to, to be outside all the time with my friends, like whether but playing like different different games or whatever it would be, rounders, which is, is our... I don't think you have that over there. It's, it's, I guess somebody in Ireland watched baseball and we made right. up our own version, but <laughs> yeah. with like tennis rackets. Um, okay. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. So I, 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 pretty normal childhood, just a little bit of a weirdo. <laughs> 
And you did a little bit of sports stuff, horseback riding and swimming and basketball and stuff. But um, but you didn't know it when you were growing up that you would be doing something later in life that involved being an athlete, right? Oh, absolutely not. No, because I, so even though like I would have been active, right? Like you said, swimming, horseback riding, et cetera. But I was a chubby kid and I was always like made fun of for being overweight and teased about that. Um, and, and looking back, I wasn't like huge or anything. I was just a little hooky kid. And then, so then when I, when I was a teenager, you know, I went through those angsty years and really just didn't want to do anything. So I absolutely had, had zero interest. Gave up everything. You know, I would have been in like dance class and acting class and, and things like that. And then when I came to being a teenager, there was uh, a few family problems. and I moved out of my childhood home and into a different place and started hanging around with um with a crowd that were doing things that we, we shouldn't have been doing. They were older than me too, you know. And uh, thus started my years of just kind of being more sedentary, sedentary and um, trying to, I don't know, not even trying to do anything, just existing, really. Right. Yeah, and you had an older brother, and so you guys always watched professional wrestling from a young age. Was it him deciding to get involved and wrestle that kind of got you out of that slump and deciding to get into wrestling? So what happened was, like, I, I like, failed PE. I, was, <laughs> oh my God. I didn't think that was possible. Yeah, no, I don't think it is. <laughs> Somehow I did. Uh, I think you get points for showing up. I, I, okay. was, I was there. I was there. I don't know what happened. Um, and, like, I remember, you know, the PE teacher calling my mom in and just telling her what a bad kid I was. And, like, to be fair, I, I wasn't a bad kid. Like, I wasn't, I didn't do anything wrong. I just didn't do anything, you know? <laughs> and in, in school, in school, that is. Uh, my mother might tell you different. But, yeah, so, and, and my mom left in tears. And, and uh, I was... I was getting ready for, for my junior shirt at the time. That's I, I'm not sure what the equivalent is, um, but it's like your mid-high school big, right. big exam. Um, and, uh, and I was just, man, I was like, my life, what am I doing? What am I do-? I'm like drinking and smoking. I'm doing things that I shouldn't be doing. And uh, I'm 15. Like, I need to get my, I need, I'm feeling here. I need to get my And I started thinking, like, how can I get in shape? Uh, I didn't want to go to the gym because, like I said, it was an alternative kid, and that seems too mainstream for me. <laughs> and so then my brother found out that they were opening wrestling school in Ireland. I was like, oh, man, I want to do that. And like, You're not doing it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, we'll see. <laughs> and so uh, it's the day that it opened. He went down. And I uh, I went down separately from them, uh, found my own way down, and uh, and then I started, and and it was a thing where where I started and I was terrible, but man, I loved it, and I, I for the first time in a long time I, I felt like this this sense of community and belonging, and for the first time ever, like it gave me a drive that I hadn't had, like a passion and a purpose. And I, I just, I just wanted to get better at this thing. But my brother always had these things. Like he, he was always um, picking up hobbies. Like he, he was an artist, and he would do that diligently. And he was, a, he was in a band, and he learned to play different instruments, and he was great at that. And so, um, but I just didn't have any of those things that I sunk my teeth into. Um, and I always wanted one. But I can never find one. I might pick up something for a week and then discard it. But this was something that I was like, oh, 
I want to be really great at this. So what was it that drew you to wrestling? It's it's performance, which sounds like something you would have been shy, at, at least around adults, with, and then physical activity, which you also weren't particularly into. But when you put them together, somehow there was a magic there for you? There was something about the toughness. Right now, I grew up watching a show called Tough Enough. That was a WWE show, and it was all these people who wanted to be wrestlers. And they would show up, and they wouldn't be sitting over, and they would drop it. They just wouldn't be tough enough. Uh, right. Like the name, um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. there was something about that toughness that I ju- I just wanted to prove it to myself. You know, like I felt like I I had been through some stuff. You know, and I kind of felt like I was maybe a, a little hardened um, in certain ways, and, and probably not really in hindsight. But you know, I just kind of wanted to to prove that I can put myself through anything um, and survive and persevere and and thrive. And this was my this was my opportunity. And the thing is, as well, was that I was the only girl. Um, and I think that I also I think I like that that worked for me too. Um, because I, I I've always gotten along well with guys. Maybe this is wrong of me to say, and maybe I shouldn't say. It, but I think if if there was girls there, I wouldn't have done as well as I did because I yeah. think I would have because I was so bad, right? And I was so unathletic. But I couldn't compare myself to the guys, right? But if I saw another girl that was just so much better than me, that would have been able to pick up everything, I probably would have compared myself and maybe would have gotten a lot more disheartened and possibly would have given up quicker. But the yeah. fact that I didn't... And it just kind of shows you. It's kind of like a, a, a thing with life these days, right? Because we're constantly comparing ourselves. And maybe that's why, why people get sad quicker. And it, it's always, we're always comparing. And, uh, and and I think the fact that I didn't have anyone really to compare myself, is just a, a real benefit for me. So w- when you got into wrestling and started to train professionally, initially in Ireland, and then some of the independent wrestling circuit, how did that time-wise work with when you went to college and then ultimately dropped out of college? Did you try first or wrestling first? So, okay, so um, I would go over to, like, England and Scotland when, when I was in high school and everything like that. And so I would uh, say, for example, weekends or summer holidays or we got, like, a week off around Halloween, midterms, all that kind of thing. So that, that was the time when I would travel. I would do independent shows over in, in the UK. And then when, when I was 17, dropped out of college, so I was able to I was able to travel a bit more then, and that's when I I would take bookings in Europe, and then I moved off to Canada to try and pursue it then. So you did a number of years on the independent wrestling circuit in a couple of different leagues and organizations. Do you have any stories of looking back at sort of small time wrestling that you either laugh or cry about? Um, probably nothing that I really cry about, but. Um, I look back at it like so fondly, right? And like I was so poor, I was not making any money, and I was, you know, wrestling in front of maybe if I was lucky, a big crowd, being two hundred people. Oh, actually, I do have three. Um, but there was that that struggle that I freaking loved, you know, that that uh, you know, I had to sleep on my friends' floors, et cetera, et cetera, and live on bread for weeks at a time, but um. I always thought, okay, one day this is going to be this is going to be good in a biography, um, right. and that was always right. my way of looking at it. But it was it was cool because 
when I was 18, my goal at that time wasn't really to get into WWE because at the time they were doing, uh, you know, grand panties matches and mud wrestling matches and all that. Ah, man, that's, that's not my style. I want to wrestle. I want to be great. I want to be the best in the world. It's not just the best woman. It's the best in the world. And I would look at Japanese women's wrestling. Oh, man, those women are dope. That's what I want to do. <laughs> and so at 18, I, I went over and uh, I was able to, I main evented in, in Cork and Hall, which is a famous wrestling venue um, at, at just 18. So that was that was pretty cool and that was a, a huge highlight. Um, there was another time when, uh, this was when I was almost finishing off and uh, I was brought over to Italy and uh, at the time there was one promotion that was running like 10,000 people um, in each crowd. and uh, So I went over the expectation that this was what it was going to be and the promoter had the expectation that this was what it was going to be. And myself, Sandy Zane and Kevin Owens were there with me in the WWE were on the show. It was the first time that I met them. And we show up and we go into these arenas and there is like, if there's 10 people in the crowd, we're lucky. Oh my God. But it's in, it's in like <laughs> this this arena which seats like five thousand people and uh yeah so that that was an that was a bit of an experience oh gosh yeah i mean you as long as you make it you can look back on those times and sort of be like ah oh, that made me better that made me stronger if you never make it it's like that sucked that was terrible i didn't have anything to eat and i slept on floors right but thankfully you do you have it for the book now and you kept making your way up although you did have a six-year break from wrestling so in 2006 you're in germany and you suffered a head injury, all sorts of you know headaches and buzzing in your ear. Your vision was affected. What did you do, and did you think you would eventually get back to wrestling? Um. So yeah, wow. That turned into uh, uh, especially right after just a dark, dark time in my life because. Um, so I got a, a fairly substantial concussion. I come home. My eye is in bits hanging out of the socket. Um, oh. And I'm wearing, you know, sunglasses. And, and not really. That's not the But it, it looks pretty awful. And I, I come back and I'm at home. I'm only 19 at this time. And I'm wearing sunglasses inside. My mom's like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, press this and rock stairs, mom. Don't worry about it. She's like, take them off. Take them off. I'm freaking eyes. She's begging me to quit. She's just like, what are you doing? Like, and I couldn't, at that stage, I couldn't point to anyone and say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be like them. That's the career that I'm after because so I pointed to WWE and she thought like women being objectified, yeah, that, that's not what I want. And there was just nothing that I could say that would make her feel more comfortable about my career choice. So anyway, in the meantime, I booked a, a personal training training diploma over in Orlando, right? Because I, I figured that way I can be back in America so I have easier access, more of the independent circuit, and I can get a plan B if this doesn't work out. Look, I think as soon as you start thinking of plan B, plan B you're out, you're done. Like, it becomes right. plan A. So anyway, so I go over, I'm, I'm halfway over, I have a stop over in, in New York, and I call my mom on a payphone, because that's what we did back then. And, uh, and, and she answers me, I'm like, Mom, I'm so sorry. I just, I, I, I'll go back to college. I, I'll quit this. I'm sorry. I just want to come home. And she was like, no, nope, no, nope, you're not coming home. So like, you've given up on everything. You haven't followed through. You've lied to me. You've this, that, whatever. She's like, you're not coming home. You, you have to see this through. So off I went to Orlando. And uh, and then I was stuck in this um, 
little apartment, this grey, dismal apartment with very little money and uh, I, I kind of shook myself off from the wrestling world. I kind of couldn't face it. I couldn't talk to anybody. I couldn't say, look, I'm just, I'm depressed. I'm in a low point in my life and I don't know, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I don't know if I can do this anymore. And so I just shook my, myself off probably burned a few bridges by doing that, but it was just, it was a, it was a shame thing. Um, right. of just not being able to own, own up to anything. And and so then anyway, that was done. And then my personal training diploma, I came back. I ended up working as a flight attendant for two and a half years. I ended up uh, doing random courses, like teaching English as a foreign language. And I toured and I, you know, backpacked around Thailand and, and Cambodia. Um, and then after a while, I, you know, I kept just trying to find what it was that I wanted, you know, so pick up various martial arts and maybe that would be my passion or go scuba diving. Maybe that would be my passion. It all felt right, you know. And uh, and so then I was like, okay, well, the thing that I loved was the performance. So let me go back to college and, and do my degree in acting. My mom is like, you're not doing a degree in acting. We'll get nowhere. <laughs> and, and so anyway... And, been there, uh, been there for uh, that one. <laughs> oh yeah. And so anyway, so unbeknownst to her, I went off and I I auditioned for the American Academy of Dramatic Art, and, and uh, the guy was like, "Brilliant! Here is the highest scholarship that we give to people." And I come back and I tell my mom, "Look, mom, I actually I think I'm pretty decent for this." And so then I go audition for different colleges in Ireland, and um, and I get in, of course. Because I wasn't actually terrible, like my mother thought that I would be. Um, and so then I, I go and I do my acting degree. And then when that's done, I'm looking for work. I'm looking for work. And I'm handing out my resume. everywhere, my headshot. Lance on the Viking set. They were filming in Ireland at the time. And I get a call. And it's from the Stunt Guild. They're like, hey, Stunt Guild of Ireland here. man <laughs> called Paul Burke. And he was like, yeah, you do stunts? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, that's what I do. And, uh, and he was like, oh, I'm here on the bike. And would you like to come down and do a stint? I was like, yeah, of course, yeah, brilliant. So anyway, uh, I hang up the phone. I'm like, oh, God, what have I got myself into? <laughs> so then I go down to a wrestling school. I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to wrestle and I wrestle. So maybe if I just, if I use that confidence and I apply it, nobody would be none the wiser. So I went down and when I was at the wrestling school, guy that was teaching the class was oh man you haven't lost it have you ever thought about going for WWE tryouts and uh, I was like nah man my sh- that ship has sailed and going off I'm going to move back to New York because I lived in New York working as a bartender for a little bit in college and uh, I was like I'm going to go there I'm going to live the dream you know work the waitress probably and try to get some work and now I've got this something going for me he's like well I think you should think about it I think you'd get it and uh, it took about two seconds before I was like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is one of them to do. That's great. It's like it, it's just, it came back around at the right time. And how long after you met with this guy at, at the Wrestling Academy and, and he urged you to get back involved, how long before you signed your deal with WWE? So I think my tryout was maybe like four weeks later. Oh, my gosh. And I got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And once the, Things start going. They just start going, right? Once it's right, like uh, sometimes it's 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 a long grind, and then all of a sudden something clicks, right? It, it's just yeah, for um, sure. It's that it's that overnight success thing where it 
you know, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. But so, <laughs> but once, once that stuff happens, then it just, it all clicked. But, um, and then I got a call two weeks after that to say that I was starting um, in the performance center in July. That's really cool. Um, and, and of course, now you bring the acting work that you had done to the, to the wrestling ring, which is so important for the performance side of it. So you've got the physical, you've got the performance side. Were you nervous in terms of WWE about how to make your mark, how to stand out from everybody else and continue to get given, you know, prime spots and opportunities? Oh, hell yeah. My God, <laughs> so much. And when it, cause I arrived and then all of a sudden I had no confidence. Right, like getting signed, I was like, oh, this is, it's meant to be. It's meant to be. There is no way that everything that has happened in my life hasn't led me to this moment. I'm getting signed, no doubt about it. And then I arrive and I am full of doubt because now I have it. Now I know what it's been like to be without it and struggle and think and, and, and go, oh, I've unfinished business, but I don't know how to get back there. And now I'm back there. And now I don't want to lose it. I don't want to mess it up. So then I'm so in my head that I can't put one foot in front of the other. And I'm just failing constantly. But the one thing that I had was that I I wasn't, <laughs> I guess I wasn't afraid to make a fool out of myself, right, when it came right. to talking. And so um, so we would have promo classes uh, every Wednesday with Dusty Rhodes, one of the greatest of all time. And he's he's one of the people that really went to bat for me and kept me, kept me in my spot um, because... Uh, I would do these outlandish characters, like whatever came to my head. I would just go and I would make a promo and he just, he loved it because he likes his broken toys. You know, if you came in the full <laughs> package, completely polished, I didn't really like, he, he had no work to do with it. But if you were a little bit broken and I was a little bit broken, then he, he, he had some work and he had a project. And he really went to bat for me, and I think that was kind of where I thrived. And then I would just work, man. Like, even if I wasn't good, I would just work my ass off, and I wouldn't stop. And I really tried, and I just wanted to get better. And I would pick everybody's brain. And I, I just, where I didn't have talent, I had work ethic. And I would do whatever it took to show that I wanted it. So that you couldn't, even if I wasn't good, you couldn't deny that I was trying to get better. Right. Did you have any fear coming back to wrestling after the injury that originally sidelined you? Because it sounded like it was a long recovery and it set you back, even in just your personal life and your happiness for a stretch. Well, yeah, but it, it wasn't even the injury that kept me down. It was, it was a depression, right? So, yeah, I didn't want to get hurt again, but I didn't want to be without this thing that I had given up. And that scared me more than than ever getting hurt, than ever breaking the bone, than ever needing surgery, was to know what it was like to to live without it and to be lost and depressed and, and just searching constantly and never feeling like this is it. Like it was right. always like, oh, yeah, this is this is good, but it's not it. This is fine, but it's not it. You know, and, and there was, you know, of course, moments of, of great times. But I had spent my early teen years, or like my mid to late teen years, being Rebecca the wrestler, that was who I was, and it gave me confidence, right? Like like I said, when I was a kid, I was different. I was a little weirdo. But now I was like, oh, but I'm, now I'm, I'm different, but I'm cool. <laughs> you know right, I mean? right, right, right. So, well, that's, that's for so a lot it, of people. A lot of the things that make us feel weird when we want to be just like everyone else growing up, we get to be an adult, and we're like, oh, thank God I'm different, because it, it makes me who right. I am. Right, 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it gave you a story. It gave you something about yourself that was right. memorable. And then if I didn't have that, well, who was I? And I had to figure that out. And so that was, I, I think that's so good that that I went through all, that I had those years of struggling and trying to figure it out, being low and lost, not knowing who I was. Because, because one, it made me humble. I think I was just such a mouthy little thing. Like that in the confidence, I was young, I was a teenager, and I'd I come quite good um, by nineteen. And I think um, I I think if I'd even made it WWE, I would have ruined it. I would have been too mouthy, or I would have been, you know what I mean? I would have been too arrogant, something like that. And then that really humbled me, and uh, and then it just gave me a massive appreciation knowing what it was like to be without it. I remember even when I was living in Orlando working at NXT, I remember driving my car down the road, having bought groceries and just crying. Like crying, mm. going like, Oh my God, like wrestling is paying for this car and it bought me them groceries in the back and something as simple as that, just going like, Wow, I don't have to work in a health food store right. shoveling peanuts anymore, you know? We'll be right back with more That's What She Said with Sarah Spain. We all know hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. And growing businesses can connect qualified candidates. Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow with her education tech company. But then she switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. And you can, too, by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash said. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And by using ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen found it easier to focus on the best ones. Then find the right one. In fact, after posting her job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen said she was honestly surprised she found qualified applicants so quickly and hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at their web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash said. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash S-A-I-D. That's what she said. So you have success really early on. You become the inaugural SmackDown Women's Champion in 2016. You've held the title three times. And in 2018, you decide to have this sort of character change. You become the man. So before we get into that name itself, tell me, why did you decide to evolve? Why did you decide to change who you were and sort of your character? Um, There was no choice. So when we came up, things went fairly well. But I was never seen as the one that was it. You know, it was always kind of like, yeah, but she's not the one. You know what I mean? And I would go like, oh my God. And I always had this connection with the crowd. Always had this just undeniable connection. I like them. They like me. We're both. We're all in this together. Let's let's do this thing. You know, I love wrestling. You guys love wrestling. Let's go do some wrestling. And, um, and so... I had a really bad year wrestling-wise in 2017, just not doing anything, like just kind of about to do something and then something would happen, I get taken off TV. About to do something, something would happen, I get taken off TV. Like it was just kind of very stop and go. And then 2018 rolled around, I was like, that's not happening again. I was on the pre-show at WrestleMania and uh, I remember a friend texting me saying that these two girls are going to be the main event of WrestleMania. That's my dream. I'm not letting that go. And anyway, so um, I was just kind of, I, I started to work, work harder and harder and harder. And then um, 
uh, I had a ladder match in Chicago. I'm currently in Chicago at the moment. And uh, every time I'd step foot on the ladder, like to get the briefcase, the crowd went nuts. And it showed everybody that, okay, Becky has this connection with the crowd. Um, so then from that, they put me in a title match at SummerSlam. And it was meant to be a singles match, um, you know, and every the, the crowd got real excited. Okay, thank you. The champion again. She gets a moment, blah, 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 blah. And then um, they put in Charlotte Flair, who's, uh, you know, currently the most decorated female in, in WWE history, the daughter of Ric Flair. And everybody was kind of like, oh, this person, they always get everything. They always, they always handle everything. And so um, at the end of the match, I had my finisher locked on the current champ, Carmella, and Charlotte hit me with her finisher from behind, right? She went over, pinned me, one, two, three. And then after that match, I slapped the head off her, whatever it was supposed to be, a, what we call a heel turn, which means right. turn into the bad guy. But the crowd just erupted it, which of course they would. Of right. course they would. Because they saw me be the underdog, be constantly overlooked constantly struggling, constantly there to make other people look good, to make other people the star, but never really be the star themselves. They saw my hunger. They saw the promos that I could. They saw that I was constantly working, but that other people were being handed things. And they related to that because everybody has that story. Everybody can relate to being overlooked and wanting to make it, but there's always somebody that's more talented than you, that everything comes easier to them, that they're just... And they relate to saying, oh, I've had enough of this. I'm taking what I want and what I deserve. And, and this is my time. And, and, and so anyway, and so then that was the upswell and, and everything just kind of um, snowballed from there and, and ended up being um, one of the greatest 12-month runs in probably WWE history. So as someone who's from Chicago and is in Chicago now as well, what I'm hearing is that oh, the yeah. Chicago fans are the reason for your success. That's what I'm hearing. Do I have that right? 100%. <laughs> Perfect. Good. Well, no, but, but absolutely. <laughs> and it's funny because uh, because this is where I did a lot of my um, independent work too. Yeah, and you went to Columbia College for some of your studies, right? I sure did. Yeah, I spent a year in Chicago studying in Columbia. Studied a little bit of clown here. Um, I loved it. And your fiancé, Seth Rollins, is from Illinois, not Chicago itself, but the area. No, Iowa. Iowa, okay. For some reason, I thought Iowa. I read that he also had some connection to Moline, Illinois, or something like that. Uh, um, well, that's where that's the airport, because uh, the Quad Cities. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Uh, by yeah. the way, I'm always curious, do you call each other Rebecca and Colby, or Becky and Seth? Rebecca and Colby. Okay, because that would be weird, right, if you if you called each other by your, your wrestling names. But it's also probably weird for half the people to always be calling you one and, and then half of your family and friends calling you the other. Yeah, 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 yeah. But when I'm referring to him in conversation, it's always called, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so tell me about the name The Man, because as someone who's not as familiar with, with WWE, when I started seeing you taking everything over and you were the man, I had the natural reaction that a lot of women and, and, and woke dudes have, which is like, why you got to be the man to be the best woman? Why can't you be the best woman? But I love the way you described it at the ESPNW Summit. So tell us how you came upon yeah. that. So look, in my line of work, I mean, in all sports, in all life, whenever the person is the top, they're the man, right? Like, oh, man. Freaking Tom Brady, he's the man. Um, LeBron James, he's the man. Ric Flair, he's the man. You know, like, 
Seth Rollins was a man. And I was like, okay, well, I'm the top dog now. Now I'm the man. None, right. none of y'all cutting them up. I'm the man. And so if I call myself the woman, do you think anybody would have? Honestly, it's not polarizing. It doesn't make people think. It's not thought-provoking. And it doesn't, right. it doesn't uh, elicit a conversation. But but when you call yourself the man, when you say, look, I am the top, and it's, cause it's not a gender thing. It's not a gender thing. It's an um, elite yeah, it's just the way that we have in our society have sort of labeled the top dog is the man. Yeah, and so and man. you're right, it's it's attention grabbing and and it takes over in a way that labeling yourself the best woman or the woman or or anything it just wouldn't draw people's attention. Uh, and you've clearly had a ton of success since that sort of evolution and that stuff. There's a little girl named Milena Lindbergh, and she had her birthday party recently. She had a Becky Lynch cake that said the man on it. All the decorations, she dressed as you for Halloween and actually had a couple questions for you. So uh, here's uh, here's Milena's questions for you. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for letting me ask Becky Lynch a question. I have been thinking about this all weekend. Say hi to Banks, Fletch, and Hodge from me. Those are my dogs. Hi, Becky. Congratulations on being the Rollins champion and beating Ronda Rousey. My little brother Major walks around going, Whoa! I have a couple questions for you. Who is your toughest competitor you have faced so far in your career? Do you ever want to be anything other than a wrestler? I am a vegetarian, too. How long have you been one, and why did you start? Do you miss living in Ireland? Okay, so it was a lot of questions. I said one, but all we're right. going to allow Milena to have all of them. So let's start with the toughest competitor yeah, you've cute. faced. I know, so e- cute. Either, yeah, uh, either Sasha Banks or Charlotte Flair. What do you want to be uh, when, when the wrestling career is done? Um, I do something creative. Look, I studied acting. I love performing. Um, that's something that I've always wanted to go back to. Um, luckily, a few more opportunities have been presenting themselves recently. It's storytelling. It's the ability to emote, the ability to make people feel something. I love it. I love it more than anything. So I'm yeah. always going to be in something creative. Um, do I miss living in Ireland? Um, I miss my friends and my family. I know that I wouldn't have the opportunity opportunities that I have now if I was living in Ireland and then I so I was a vegetarian for years upon years upon years I started probably when I was like 15 and then I actually started eating meat when I got signed by WWE because I thought I'd probably need a little bit more muscle and then about two and a half years ago I was like you know I don't want to do this anymore I feel bad I love the animal Um, and so then I stopped I stopped eating meat yeah, I'm about almost two years in as well, so I'm with you on that one. I can't go yeah. quite vegan yet because I just love cheese too much. Cheese is my favorite thing, so I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the thing is I can't go vegan actually just because I'm freaking allergic to everything. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, like I'm allergic to soy, I'm allergic to pea protein, so I'm like, oh, if I, if I don't eat some amount of animal products, whether it be eggs or yogurt or whatever, then I'll actually have no protein, but just right, let me right. make sure kind it's of important. <laughs> right. Yeah. Kind of important yeah. for your gig. Well, yeah. I've just loved talking to you. I know you don't have that much time. So before we let you go, you do have to do the one thing that everybody does and nobody expects. Didn't expect a kind of Spanish Inquisition. 
Spanish Inquisition. That's right, the Spanish Inquisition, the 10 questions everybody gets and nobody expects. Number one, what's your Desert Island album? You can only have one. Oh, uh, Lightning Bolts by Project. Oh, such a good one. My wedding song is on that album, too. Oh, uh, which is your wedding song? Future Days. Oh, what a song, man. I know. What a it's freaking the best. song. It's the best. Yeah. Uh-uh. Number two, what habit or quality do you think has contributed most to your success? Um, determination. Number three, what would you consider your biggest failure? Um, frick, it's hard to say failure because either, uh, either learn or you win, you know? Um, but, uh, frick, my biggest failure, maybe it's given up. I don't know. Right. Well, you found your way back, so you learned. Which yeah, is, I did which find. Is... Exactly. It's so hard to say. Like, it's yeah. so cliche, and, like, we feel like failures all the time. But then we look back and we go, oh, but if you didn't do that, then this wouldn't have happened, right? Just, you learn from it. Everything, everything really does happen for a reason. I tell this all the time because I get to this question and most extremely successful people have a lot of trouble with it. And I think it's partly the mindset that you're going to learn from it and then you don't wallow in it. And then when you have to be asked about it, you don't even remember that you failed because you've already turned it into something positive. So it's not surprising. Yeah, you have to. You have to. It's the the only way we learn. And I always say that you learn more from uh, if I go have a terrible match, I will dwell on it. I will think about it. I will never want to feel that way again. It will eat at me for weeks upon weeks, maybe months, maybe even years. If I have a great match, then, oh, that was good. And then I'm, I don't think about it. <laughs> I don't learn anything. So you need them failures. You need those hiccups. Number four. I think I know the answer, but have you ever been in a fist fight? Um, a, oh, yeah. Yeah, I have. Like a real, like a real knockdown yeah. at a bar, take your earrings off kind of fight. Yeah, no, I was in a fist fight, but it was when I was a little kid, like probably yeah. like 10. <laughs> okay, yeah. all right. Uh, number five, if you could switch lives with anyone for a day, who would it be? Um, maybe Eddie Vedder. Oh. I'd like to see how he lives. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to, and I'd like to be able to sing and yeah. be Eddie Vedder for a second. Just look out at a crowd of thousands of people yeah. that are just like made so happy by the thing you do. I mean, you get to do that too. Which I mean, is nice I, do that. You do that. <laughs> I do, you do I that. You do that. Just no, in a different no way. No lyrics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That no, was my no, was my my musical talent. <laughs> uh, number six. What's the most embarrassed you've ever been? Um, the most embarrassed I've ever been. There was one time when I, I was on a, a first date with a guy and we went out and I was wearing like a dress, whatever. I get out of the car, I go to put money in the meter for the parking and uh, he's like, uh, Rebecca? And my dress was not my underwear. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number seven, what's the thing about yourself you'd most like to improve? Um, The thing about myself that I would most like to improve is probably I'm pretty wonderful. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, God, what would I most like to improve? Oh, maybe my ability to say no. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, we've talked about that on this podcast several times. It's a tough thing for people who uh, are active and ambitious and want to help out and all that stuff. Uh, number yeah. eight, if you could be commissioner of life for a day, what one rule would you enforce that all of society would have to adhere to? Um. Oh. Probably, oh, if don't sing along in selfies on your freaking Instagram stories. 
<laughs> Nobody likes that. So annoying, and you're not cute when you do it. You just look like an idiot. It's <laughs> very specific. Stop. I Please enjoy that. Stop. Oh my god, it hurts my soul. Unless you're Eddie Vedder. Unless you're Eddie Vedder. Eddie's way too freaking cool for that. That's so true. Eddie he would never. Have a social he media. would never. He's too freaking yeah. cool. That's right. Um, number nine. What's the most scared you've ever been? Uh, oh yeah, uh, probably one time when I nearly died. So uh, it was actually myself and Charlotte were were driving from um, one live event to another, and uh, we're on the road and. Um, this is in Detroit, and two cars just go whizzing past us. And I go, holy crap, that car nearly, boom! And we get sideswiped, um, and we swerve all over the road and then land right into um, right into a wall, and then we go skidding past that. And, uh, and I look over at Charlotte, and um, she is just covered in red stuff. It turned out that it was my meal from the back of the... Um, Oh. From the back of the car that went down, but I thought it was blood. And then oh. we're we're in the middle of this place in Detroit, right outside Eight Mile, and uh, and nobody stops for us. And I was scared to go back into the car because I thought it might explode. And to get my phone, and we're trying to figure out how to get some police there. But that and that that was pretty scary. Yeah, still made the show the next night. Still made the show the next night. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's terrifying. Um, yeah. Number ten. What three words would you most hope that people would use to describe you? Um, huh. um, three words. I wish that people. Uh, integrity. Um, okay. Genuine, and then uh, smart. Yeah. Those are good ones. I hope. We'll allow you to I have hope. a fourth. It's just the man as one word. We'll we'll give you that yeah, one too. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, and then finally, who would you recommend yeah. that I have on this podcast? Who's someone that's good to talk to? Oh, I'm a little biased, but I I, I mean I think <laughs> Seth Rollins is extremely oh, yeah. interesting. That'd be a good one. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll look into that. Hey, thanks for the time, Becky. I know you're super busy. Thank you so much for making time. Thanks a million. That's what she said. It's time once again for South Bitch Sessions, where I rant about something that bothers me, and I fix it. This week, candles that smell really, really amazing when you put your nose to them and then are barely smellable when you light them. I mean, what's the point? I want the hot apple pie candle smell to essentially fill my entire kitchen. I want the pine candle to make the whole damn house smell like it's made of Christmas trees. That's why I bought the candle in the first place. One day if I snap, it's probably going to be about this, because I bought the most amazing candle in New Zealand. In New Zealand, people, I carried it home across the expanse of the earth because I wanted the magical smell of coconut and kaffir lime wafting through my home like a summer breeze touched by a pina colada and just a little bit of surf wax. But I lit that sucker, and all I still smell is my dog's farts and my husband's feet and my house. Get it together, candle makers of New Zealand. Do better. All right, I feel better about what we accomplished today. Candles should not only smell amazing when you smell them in the store, they should also, when lit, turn your home into a magical place of olfactory enchantment. Is that too much to ask? There, I fixed it.
Be sure to check out another great ESPN podcast, Laughter Permitted with Julie Foudy. This week, UCLA gymnastics legends Valerie Kondos-Field and Caitlin Ohashi join the show to talk about how joy factors into success both in sports and life. These ladies are fantastic. Make sure you check it out. Download and subscribe to Laughter Permitted wherever you get your podcasts. That's what she said. If you got a dilemma for the commission to fix, tweet it to me at Sarah Spain or go to the iTunes or podcast app, subscribe, rate and review and leave the dilemma in your review. Thanks as always for lasting about an hour with me. Well, that's what she said.